Just a couple more things I want to remind you of. Um, as far as the shower goes for the um, Family Life Center here locally, if you've not gotten the chance to bring things in, you can still do that. Um, Elena went yesterday and delivered the things that were collected um, yesterday, but we can definitely bring more if you bring it. One of the things they mentioned um, when Elena dropped it off was that they were short on his wipes. And so if there's something that you'd like to get, if you've not helped yet or if you're able to do that, and you bring those in, we'll make sure they get over there as well. So uh, some wipes is what they're really short on, and so that would really help them out. Appreciate all of you that helped. Appreciate all of you that helped with that. There's also on the clipboard that's going around. Uh, we're having a, a men's uh, prayer breakfast on February the fifth, and a ladies' luncheon at noon. And so let's let's uh, pass it around. Where's the clipboard at? Right now, it's right there. Okay, I want to make sure. Try to get around all the way over this side. If it doesn't make it, make sure you take a look at that. If you've not had a chance for the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and also. Um, for the um, signing up for the, the men's prayer breakfast, ladies' luncheon. And then also, one other thing I want to mention, for the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we've got a, a prayer sheet. Those of you that have turned in prayer requests that you'd like for us to pray during that 21-day period, um, we have a sheet that we're going to be passing out. Is it on, on Sunday, or is it, is it back there right now? Okay, got it. So if you've got a prayer sheet tonight... Um, there's a special request at the bottom there. And then we have another one that's for the overall for 21 days, but it's very similar to this. What I would encourage you to do, if you've got more, mention it tonight, and then people can then pin those in underneath that. If you've not had a chance to get that turned in, because we have already printed those, we'll be passing them out on Sunday for 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so I would invite you to go ahead and, and pin those in tonight, um, and that way we can uh, be praying with you about that. All right, let's get our Bibles tonight. Turn to Psalm 141. Psalm 141, we're looking tonight. And um, tonight I want to I want to uh, delve into a subject that's kind of a challenge, I think, many times for us. This is something we hit a little bit on at 10 o'clock on Sunday, uh, last couple of weeks. But I want to kind of focus in on it a little bit today. And, and uh, we're going to be looking at this subject tonight. Then next Wednesday we'll be looking at it from a little bit different perspective. Um, but tonight I want to look at how to receive criticism. How to receive criticism. We're in Psalm 141. We'll read verse 5 here in just a moment. But we're going to be looking at a very important subject tonight. The matter of giving and receiving criticism. And uh, it's a subject that we all need to consider. Uh, many of us, uh, we, we have been involved in either being part of giving the criticism or receiving the criticism. We all are in part of it. And criticism, immediately when you think of the word criticism, what, what is the first response that you have? Negative. Most often, criticism is, is the enemy. It's, it's negative. And yet, what we need to understand is criticism isn't always the negative. It isn't always an enemy. And uh, so we want to look at how to receive criticism tonight. And, uh, and, and hopefully it will help us to be able to receive it the right way. And once again, I want to go back. I want to be looking at the Bible. We're going to look at a lot of verses tonight um, in, in looking uh, to answer the question of how to receive criticism. But before we do, I want to begin with a word of prayer. And then we're going to define what we're talking about when we say criticism. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the privilege to come together tonight. And Lord, I thank you. It's warm in here. I thank you for the warmth, not only physically, but Lord, spiritually, and the love that we have here in this place. I thank you, Lord, for our church. Um, Lord, obviously, we're talking about a people, a family, a body that you put together. And I praise you, Lord, for it. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us tonight, uh, Lord, to continue to grow. 
I thank you for the privilege to, to be able to serve you. And open up your word, Lord, and to learn. I pray that you'd help our faith to grow. Help our wisdom to be stronger and, and grow as well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you a definition of what we're talking about when I talk about criticism. Criticism is any judgment made about you by another which declares that you fall short of a particular standard. Now, that's a good place for us to start because it's general enough to include a lot of different categories. I mean, you can talk about a lot of different things with this being the definition. For example, it doesn't say whether the judgment is fair or not. I mean, that's not what we're talking about, whether it's fair or not. Um, it's, so the idea of just or unjust criticism is, is included with this, and they both can fall under this heading. And so it doesn't say those things. And so it doesn't say that if, you, that if, you, if the standard was a reasonable one, that they're, they're looking at you and, and judging you by. That's not even the issue. All right? It doesn't say anything about tone of voice, the timing of the criticism, etc. But it is possible for particular criticism to be fair as far as its content, but unfair regarding the process. We understand that. All right, but that's not what we're really dealing with tonight. We're going to discuss those kinds of things uh, out as we proceed through this, but we, the, 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 we purposefully want to begin with a pretty broad definition so we can get as many kinds of situations under this heading as possible. So we're talking about an overall uh, concept. So I want to get you involved a little bit tonight, some questions I want your help with, and uh, I want you to think about it with me a little bit. Let's talk about it. First of all, what kind of things are we often criticized for? Anybody? What are we often criticized for? Yes, sir. Okay, your belly. That wasn't me. I didn't say it. All right, yes. Okay, our personality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your personality. What else? I thought I saw a hand over here. Yeah. Yeah, this, the stands that you have, what you stand for. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what you believe, what you're standing for, um, what's important to you. What else? What do you think? Yeah, charity. Yeah, your workability, yeah. Uh, criticizing somebody because they, they don't quite measure up the standard of the workability that you have. What else, anybody? Just trying to get you thinking about it tonight so we can kind of talk about this and kind of get our minds thinking. Anybody else? What else? Yes, Brian? Yeah, your political view, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that, uh, your political stance, you know. Um, but it's definitely true, what you believe. Um, there's a whole lot of things. And so we get the idea. So here's the next question. What, what forms do criticism take? What forms do they take? How, how do people criticize? What forms do they take? Brian? Okay, judgment and hate. But when I say form, that's true. Yes, sir. Yep, it could be constructive. Absolutely. Or it can be destructive. All right, it can be either one of those, right? So that, that, that's, in a nutshell, we're talking about that, all right? Why is criticism so hard to take? Why is it hard to take criticism? That's our pride, absolutely. It hurts our pride. And now, we're, once again, we're talking about this being the definition. So it could be possibly something true or untrue. Uh, it could be they're not saying it the right way or the wrong way. But nonetheless, when we talk about criticism, it's hard sometimes to take criticism. And people struggle with it because of our pride. Why is criticism hard to give? Well, some of you say it's not hard to give at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Why is it sometimes hard to give when we really need to give it? Yeah, Catherine. Yeah, afraid of the reaction. You, you'd better, you know, sometimes you just say, well, I'd better just leave it alone. I won't say anything. I'm afraid to stir up the, 
you know, things up. They're going to get mad at me. They're going to be upset with me. But is that really the right thing to do? If there's a situation that we see that we can try to help and we're trying to help, and that's really the reason that we're doing it, should we not say anything because we're afraid they might get upset? And that really shouldn't be the reason. It shouldn't be a good reason. But let's look here. Look at Psalm 141, verse 5. Look what it says. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Some interesting words here that we're looking at here tonight. So I I want us to focus tonight on receiving criticism. We're going to talk about giving proper criticism next week. We're going to delve into that. But when we talk about, so how do I receive criticism? How do we do it? Number one, real simple things we're going to look at. Number one, a willingness to receive criticism is a mark of the wise. That's where we've got to start. A willingness to receive criticism is a mark of the wise. And if you're wanting to find wisdom in the Bible, where's one of the best places you can look? The book of Proverbs. I appreciate all of you really helping with that. I know it was a tough one there. Go to Proverbs if you would. We're going to be hanging out there. I want you to look Proverbs chapter 13 is where we're going to begin looking. And I'd like you to get your Bible out because there's going to be a bunch we're looking at in Proverbs tonight. And it might be that you might see a verse that maybe God would have you memorize, maybe something that you'd make note of that would hopefully be a help to you um, and be some words of wisdom tonight for us. But I want to begin with looking at here in, in Proverbs chapter, did I say chapter 13? I meant chapter 12, if that's what I said. Chapter 12, look at verse number 15. Chapter 12, verse 15 How do you receive criticism right? Well, a willingness to receive criticism is a mark of the wise. That's the first thing we need to understand. And so it says there in Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is, what's the next word? Wise. Wise. Absolutely. And you know, as in many verses in the book of Proverbs, there is a comparison set up. What, What is this verse saying about the fool In the first half, what's it saying? Somebody help me out. What's it talking about? What is it saying about the fool there in the first half of the uh, the verse? See it? What's that? Yeah, they're right in their own eyes. Absolutely. So the fool, he thinks, man, everything's just fine and and, and everything's just right. So obviously you could never be wrong and, and therefore any criticism is wrong. And so the fool is right in his own eyes. Um, and, And so what is the opposite of that? What do you see? What's the opposite of that? And openness to counsel, absolutely. Having an open heart, being willing to, to, to hearken unto counsel means you'll be wise, not a fool. And so here we see the comparative. We see in Proverbs, many times you're going to see that. You're going to see this or this, this or this. And here we see either being a fool or being a wise person. And so the first thing I want us to notice as we think about uh, uh, receiving criticism being a mark of the wise is that the wise man recognizes his fallibility. A wise man recognizes his fallibility. The way of the fool seems right to him. It's right in his own eyes. Therefore, there's going to be a real resistance to accepting any criticism regardless of how it's given. No matter how you give it to them, they're going to want to reject that. In fact, my guess is that all of us have had people in our lives that would say things like, well, um, whatever. I mean, you could just, they can say things to you and they could say things that, uh, that I mean, 
let's put it this way. There's people that have been very critical to you. There's th- people that have said things to you. There's things that people have said. And there's times when we've not responded right. Now let me ask you the question to see who's honest here tonight and who's awake. Have you ever responded wrongly to criticism? Raise your hand up. Have you ever responded wrongly to criticism? All right. We're all in the same boat. And so there's times when somebody will say something, and it might even be true, but our pride rears up within us, and we get angry about it. We don't receive it the right way. And we might say things, well, they were very harsh the way they said it. Maybe they didn't say it the right way. All right? But the, the, the problem wasn't what they said. The problem was our pride that got in the way. So if the truth were to be known, it wasn't so much they were being harsh. It was that we were being foolish. Well, now jump to chapter 13. Look at verse number 10. Look what it says. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. What does that mean? Real simple. What is that talking about? Only by pride cometh contention. What's it mean? Yeah, you get hostile, which causes what? A fight. Fight breaks out, you get angry, you get upset, you want to fuss because somebody didn't say it the right way or didn't do something the right way. But it's a pride that comes, and it says, though, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And so wisdom is in the well-advised. And so the first thing we see here is the wise man recognizes his, infa- his fallibility. Everybody here, would you agree with that? Would you say, yes, I'm, I'm infallible. There's times I've made mistakes, no doubt. All right, number two, the wise man avoids quarreling. The wise man avoids quarreling. The argument of this verse is very important. You see, on one hand is the person who wisely receives counsel and uses his energy to listen, to learn, to change. On the other hand, we have a person who has pride and presumption that pours the the time and energy into quarreling, being defensive, fighting, and pouting. And the list can go on of what can happen with that. So you see, we have going on with, uh, there's there's, once again, you have this or you have that. And so a good question for uh, all of us to ask is, which one am I more like? Which one am I more like? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Which one am I more like? And so we have to think about that. When I'm responding, am I responding the right way? Which one am I more like? And so the wise man avoids quarreling. Next, we see, um, next, well, actually, turn to chapter 17. Let's look at this verse. I want to show you this one. Look at chapter 17. Look at verse number 10. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Now, anybody want to explain that verse? What's it talking about? What does it mean? What's it talking about? What do you, what's that? A correction? Anybody else? Exactly. It, it's not going to change. They can be, you can criticize you can, you, properly. You can probably, you can try to correct. But if they're a fool, I remember growing up, my dad would say the word of the wise is sufficient. And uh, I knew what that meant. Brother JB, I knew what that meant. It's like with your son John sometimes, you know what I'm talking about. I was that 
that boy at times, and my dad would say, a word to the wise is sufficient. What that meant was that after that word, if I didn't do what he had told me to do, I knew what was coming next. And it was going to mean that I was going to be getting in some more trouble, and I didn't want to go there. And yet, if you're a fool, it doesn't matter what words are spoken. It doesn't matter how many times that you are a hundred stripes into a fool isn't going to make a difference. They're still going to be angry and upset and think that they're right and you're wrong. A fool always blames the other person and never take responsibility. The wise man avoids quarreling. Thirdly, the wise man listens quickly and carefully. Quickly and carefully. So what's the overall point here? A willingness to receive criticism is a mark of the wise. It's really that simple. And so, secondly, the wise and the fool reap according to their ability to receive criticism. And so, number one, a willingness to receive criticism is a mark of the wise. Secondly, the wise and the fool reap according to their ability to receive criticism. Go back to chapter 13 now. Look at verse 13. Proverbs 13, 13, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. We have if, we have this over here, we have this over here. There again, we see a contrast. Despise the word, destruction's coming. Feareth the commandment, there's going to be reward. And so fools pay for rejection, rejecting criticism. Wise people are rewarded for receiving it. It's really that simple. So let me ask you tonight, in, in what scenarios might receiving criticism result in being rewarded? Let's make sure we're all on the same board. In, in what scenarios would you receiving criticism, would it bring reward? I'm not talking about everyone, but just think of an example of that. One, someone, one of our young people, help me out. In what ways would receiving criticism bring a reward? Any young person here tonight? Ty. Okay, being able to fix the problem, very good. All right, good. Let's get another one, another example. Why? Um, and there's, there's really, this is simple stuff, man. If you receive criticism, it could be anything in life, that, but it brings a reward by you receiving it. What, what's another example of it? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, doing a better job, absolutely. What else? Ty? Yeah, you can grow from it, good. All right, yes. Right, absolutely, you get more done. Right, and sometimes, I was kind of waiting for this one because it's, it's, to me it's obvious, sometimes it might save your life. You might be doing something that is dangerous. You might be driving and you might have something happening and somebody says something and it might save your life. And, and so, you know, obviously we can see many. Well, so here's the next question. In what scenarios might rejecting it result in paying a price? Made that simple for you. In what scenarios would rejecting criticism, would, would it cost you to pay a price? And obviously, we're, we, you know, we can see. Brian, you want to? Yeah. price they're going to pay is destruction that's going to come because they reject it. And that's, that's the ultimate of rejecting wisdom. There's no doubt. That's a great example. But it's not just the atheists, though, that reject wisdom at times. Sometimes we're not careful. We can reject that. It can cause us 
harm and um, rejecting result pay, causes us to pay a price. Let, let me go ahead and move on. And so fools pay for rejecting criticism. Wise people are rewarded for receiving it. Next, heeding criticism increases one's wisdom. And we've really been talking about that. We're all rolling down this together. That's good. So heeding criticism increases our wisdom. Go to Proverbs chapter 9. Look at verse number 9 if you would. Andy, would you stand and read that verse for me? Amen. Simple. Very simple, but such wisdom in this. So how do wise people become wise? Well, in part, by responding to criticism in a wise fashion. You want to get wiser? Listen to what your parents are telling you, kids, young people. Listen to what your mom and dad are saying to you. They're trying to help you and help you grow in wisdom. And you want to get wiser? Well, listen, uh, men. There's times when your wife is trying to help you and trying to give you words and vice versa. We can go around this. We can talk about it in many different ways. But we want to become wiser, respond to criticism in a wise fashion. The point is how we respond to criticism today is not a short-term issue. It has long-term effects. It's something that's going to have an impact on us, not just today, but it's going to impact you the rest of your life. The way you respond to criticism today, young people, is going to have an impact on you when you're in your 20s, when you're in your 30s, when you're in your 40s, when you have your own kids. It's going to have an impact on you. And I'm I'm trying to just encourage you, not just young people today, obviously, but it it has a long-term effect on us. And so make sure that you listen and and, uh, heed criticism and allow it to increase your wisdom. Thirdly, heeding criticism increases one's understanding. Look, if you would, now over to uh, chapter 15. Look at verse 32. Heeding to wisdom, or criticism, excuse me, increases our understanding. Chapter 15, look at verse 32. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. He that heareth reproof getteth, what's the last word? Understanding. That word there, understanding, um, translated there in verse 32 in the Hebrew, the word means heart or mind. It speaks of the ability to process information and to understand something. So how does that fit in the topic of criticism? Well, some increase their understanding by listening to criticism. Some people don't expand their minds because they don't. It's really that simple. You want to expand your understanding, listen to the criticism. Thirdly, we need to learn and accept criticism through the lens of the cross. Through the lens of the cross. What am I talking about? I want you to turn um, over to Romans chapter 3. Many of you probably could quote these verses. Romans chapter 3. And look if you would at verse number 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. <clears throat> Learning to accept criticism through the lens of the cross. Romans 3, 10 and 11. And then I'd like, if I could, uh, Brother Rand, if you'll read Galatians 3.10 in just a second. Galatians 3.10. And then James chapter 2 and verse number 10. Um, let's see, if somebody wants to volunteer on this side, James chapter 2 and verse 10. And so let's read together there, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 
There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Who's that talking about? Us. It's talking about me in my unsaved state. It's talking about me in my old sinful nature. As it is written, what it, what, so basically what's it saying? There's none of us that do right all the time. None of us do. We don't understand. We don't seek after God. I praise God that God sought after me. I praise the Lord for that. Let's hear Galatians 3.10. Thank you, Brother Randy. So has anybody here ever done every law that was written and kept it? No. So what is, the, what is, the, what is that verse saying that, that we're under then? What are we under? Curse. Absolutely. We're born with that. We're all in the same condition. James 2.10. So even you can say, well, I've done a lot of good things. We all still, we, we, we all come. And then you say, yes, I know all of this. You're telling me something I already know. I'm making a point. Follow it with me. Understand this. In Christ's cross, I agree with God's judgment or criticism of me. These verses say something that criticizes me. These verses tell me that I fall short. These verses tell me that I'm a sinner. These verses say that, that even if uh, that, that I need to try to keep all the law, and I already know I haven't, and if I'm guilty of breaking just one of them, I'm guilty of them all. That is criticism, folks. That is negative, and that comes from God, and the cross tells me this. And I agree with it. I agree with God's judgment of me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I know I can't keep all the law. And so there's a sense in which the cross is a highly critical instrument because it says uh, even our best effort, even if we try to do everything we could do, we still fall short. Our best works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. We could never save ourselves apart from divine intervention. None of us could. But you know what? It's even worse than that. I want you to think about it. Because not only does the cross tell us that someone else had to die for us, it also tells us that we must die as well. That's where a lot of Christians make the disconnect. Yes, I believe Jesus Christ died for me. Yes, I believe he rose again. But do you realize that we're also to be crucified with Christ as well? We're to die to ourselves as well? The cross was an instrument of sacrifice for us, but it's also an example of, of, of sacrifice um, of sin for us, excuse me, but it's a sacrifice example as well. Consider what Paul said, Galatians 2.20, notice what he said. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified. Romans 6, 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so if I know myself as crucified with Christ, I can now receive another's criticism with this attitude. Huh. You don't know the half of it. When somebody criticizes you and you have been crucified with Christ, in reality, when you, you realize what sinner that you are, it changes. Listen, you can't have pride in what you are. I'm talking about as a sinner. I can't. What, what, what do I, where is there room for pride for me that has broken God's law, that has fallen short of God's glory, that my best works are as filthy rags? Where, where is there room for pride in that? There is no room. 
Christ has said more about my sin, my failing, my rebellion, my foolishness than any man could ever lay against me. Say to that person, I thank you for my for correction. I thank you for trying to help me. See, there, there, there's a blessing, and that's a kindness to us when they do that. For even when they are wrong or misplaced, they remind me of my true faults and sin, which my Lord and Savior paid dearly and went to the cross and died for me for. Some, sometimes we, and, and I'm guilty, but we all are. I know we are. We look at ourselves, well, I didn't do anything. I, I, what are they saying? Why are they criticizing me? And, and when the truth be known is, we are, we are really all sinners. We fall short of God's glory, and, and we ought not have pride. We ought to be encouraged when somebody cares enough. And, and we're going to talk about properly bringing criticism. But even in the negative, we're going to get to that in a minute. But we ought to be hearing criticism. If it's valid, it ought to be something that we grow from. Thirdly, in Christ's cross, I agree with God's justification of me. In Christ's cross, I agree with God's justification of me. And that's the great part of this whole thing. We don't just stay over here and say, oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I'm so lost. Oh, I'm so I'm done. I'm nothing. But we move on and we understand that in, in, in Christ's cross, I agree with God's justification of me. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so in the light of God's judgment and justification of the sinner in the cross of Christ, we can begin to discover how to deal with any and all criticism. So if we reckon ourselves of having been crucified with Christ, then we can respond to any criticism, even misplaced, even hostile criticism, without bitterness, without defensiveness, without blame shifting. We, we, we can approach it the right way. We can, we can learn and hear criticism as constructive and not uh, being condemning of us because God has justified us. We don't have to beat ourselves down. This is something I struggle with. When, when somebody says something, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, one of the things I first of all, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so bad. But what am I? Really a sinner? I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And, 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 or... Maybe you are doing a lot of good things, but they're pointing out that one little area that you need some improvement in. Understand it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person because they pointed that little thing out. You all understand what I'm talking about tonight? Your pride jumps in and says, oh, oh, I'm not that bad. Well, maybe there's something you need to grow in that I need to grow in. We all do. We all go through it. And so when someone criticizes us, it's nearly not as big of a deal than what we make it out to be oftentimes. It's not. My stand before God and man is not based on my own righteousness anyways, by the way. I'm justified not because of what I've done, but what God has done for me. It's based on the imputed righteousness of Christ, you see, and that, that's never going to change. So be wise and learn and look at it through the, the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. Be crucified. You can't offend a dead person. You can't. Number four, we need to learn to apply these principles to both just and unjust criticism. There's no doubt there is the two. There's no doubt there's times when there's just and there's no doubt there's times when there's unjust. There's times when people say things that aren't true because they don't know what's happened or they don't know the whole story or they're just wicked and they're evil trying to hurt you. No doubt about that. So let's look at it. 
What about just criticism? What should we do? Number one, repent quickly. If it is just criticism, repent quickly. We ought to have such a heart that if we have somebody come to us with something that is just, that it bothers us and we want to make it right, that we would then turn at that moment and ask for forgiveness. Not perhaps only of the person, I mean, God for, for, for sure, but perhaps even of that person, depending on the situation. But the bottom line is if it's just criticism, repent quickly. Don't let pride rear up and say, I'm not changing. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. I'm not that bad. But if it's just, and you have a heart that's pliable that God is speaking to, and, and the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart at that moment, and you would realize that it's just criticism, repent of it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says this, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know First John, and, and it's written to believers. My little children, we see that. And yes, there are times. I mean, you look at chapter 1, you see where it says, if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in us. Listen, we are going to have times when we're going to do something wrong, and somebody is going to lovingly criticize us, and we're going to need to ask God for forgiveness. Repent quickly. Psalm 38, 18 says this, For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. Godly sorrow. Having repentance. Being broken because you've done something that has caused a problem or hurt and it's been sinful. And then rejoice in God's forgiveness and cleansing. Rejoice in God's forgiveness and cleansing. 1 John 1, 9. Somebody stand and quote that for me, would you? 1 John 1, 9. Amen. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's something that if we just rejoice in the fact, as we repent, if we ask God for forgiveness, rejoice in the fact that we have been cleansed. And then what do we do next? Okay, when Jesus healed people, and even when they were sinners, all right, they were all sinners, by the way, when he healed people and they came to him or things were accused of, uh, let, let's take the, uh, I mean, uh, obviously when the woman was caught in adultery and he writes her in the sand and he says he was without sin, cast the first stone, they all go away. She is there standing there. What, is, what does he say to her? Does anybody remember what he says to her? Yeah. Yeah, he forgives her, but he says, go and sin no more. Uh, it's not a perpetual thing that we just go ahead and say, I'm just going to go keep doing it. No, if there is true repentance and we have a sorrowful heart, we, then we take steps to change. Does that mean we're never going to fall again? Absolutely not. Once again, go to 1 John chapter 1, read the chapter, look at it. We're, there's going to be times we're going to sin. That, that's not an excuse. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That's not an excuse. It, you confess it, though. You ask God to forgive you. He cleanses you. Then take steps to change Proverbs 23, 18 says this, For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Take steps to change it. And then thank God for our critic. 
Thank God the correction and advice that we hear are sent by our Heavenly Father. God allowed you to hear that. They are, they are His corrections oftentimes, His rebukes, His warnings, His scolding. His reminders are meant to humble us, to weed out the root of pride, to replace it with a heart and lifestyle of growing wisdom, understanding, goodness, and truth. If it's just, we're talking about, remember? We're talking about just criticism. Well, what about the unjust criticism? Is there times when it's unjust? Yeah. No doubt. Some people will say things that are not true or half-truths. They'll say things with wicked uh, desires behind it. They'll try to hurt you. Unjust. So what do you do with that? First of all, don't blow it off. Look for any nuggets of truth in there. Is there anything in there that I can grow by? Don't blow it off. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 3 says this, And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine eye? Be very careful when you just blow it off and say, that person's horrible. There might be something in your own eye you got to check out. Mote uh, being this little piece of impurity that would have been inside the, the cotton, the little seed that would have been left over as they wove the cotton together, this little teeny piece of seed, talking about that as opposed to having a beam. Sometimes our vision is not proper. But if it's unjust, there might be some truth to it somewhere there. There might be something that we can learn by. And so be very careful not to just blow it off. Look for the nugget of truth. Also, speak honestly with your critic concerning this criticism. It could be that we can both learn. You ever had somebody come and accuse you of something and you began to have a conversation with them and come to find out it was just a misunderstanding? You all know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened? I mean, it's happened to me many a time. I think a lot of times things like conflict, things like that, they happen because of a misunderstanding, and that's where we need to have proper communication. Don't just get offended and walk away and not take care of it. The Word of God tells us how to handle it, Matthew chapter 18. We ought to, we ought to handle it the right way and have a conversation with that person. And, and, and so that being said, we're going to talk about this more next week, but if you're going to give criticism, be prepared that you might not know what you're talking about either. Once you talk to them, they might share with you some things you had no idea about. And yet you've been making this judgment. We're going to talk more about that. But it comes on this side too, receiving it. Don't get your feelings hurt. Get so upset. Get angry. Oh, bump, bump, bump. You walk away because you are justly right, you think. But by your response, you're wrong. And we end up losing an opportunity to perhaps fix a situation or for both to learn and grow and, and grow in wisdom. Next. Do not be overwhelmed or discouraged by the criticism. To do so would be a sinful reaction. Do not be overwhelmed or discouraged by criticism. To do so would be a sinful reaction. I'm going to ask you why. Why is that a true statement? If you overreact, if you get hurt by it, why is that a sinful reaction? Pride, exactly. It's pride. We all struggle with this. We really do. It's a difficult thing. But if we, if we respond that way, it's nothing more than the sin of pride rearing up within us. So what do you do instead? Focus rather upon the imputed righteousness of Christ. Okay, Lord, is there any truth to this? God, is there anything I need to change in my life? God, I know I'm a sinner, but I've been saved by your grace. And Lord, I'm not going to be... I, I don't stand here today 
And my worth doesn't come from what people think. My worth comes from what you think and what you've made me. I'm your son. I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ on me. And stand on that truth. Getting all worked up and angry about it, not responding the right way doesn't help us. Remember, if I'm crucified with Christ, then I'm dead. That means I will not allow criticism to cause me to react in a sinful manner. We need to die to ourselves and live in Christ. Real simple message tonight, how to handle criticism. There's going to be times we're all going to receive it. Next week we'll talk about how to give proper criticism. Let's all stand up. We'll have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would choose to be wise. And Lord, I pray that we would remember who we are according to how you see us. And Lord, you saw us before we were saved as sinners, condemned. Condemnation was upon us. And Lord, once we got saved, we were born again, made alive, no more under condemnation. The imputed righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ, on us. And Lord, we don't claim that because of our good, of anything we've done. But Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that we would handle criticism properly. Lord, we had to do that to get saved. I pray, Lord, that we would handle it properly in marriage relationships, husbands, wives, mom, dad, young people, children, the workplace, at church. Lord, I pray that you would just challenge our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be wise. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord for that. The choices that we make right now have an impact, not just for today, but for the rest of our lives. Young person, would you make a decision that you're going to receive correction as a wise young person? Mom, dad, husband, wife, same thing's true for us. Your loving wife or your loving husband, ladies, they come to you and they say some words of criticism. How are you going to react to that? How do you? At work, how do you respond? I just challenge you tonight to ask God. If you're here tonight, perhaps there's been some things that have been said and there's some truth to it. There's some just criticism involved. Why don't you turn to the Lord and ask for forgiveness? Get things right. He didn't respond right. Pride reared up. Would you ask God for forgiveness of that? It might be that you need to go to somebody. I'm not necessarily saying here tonight. Somebody that you know that there's been a conflict between you because of something like this. You didn't handle it exactly right. Is God speaking to your heart? Would you make a commitment? Say, Lord, I want to be crucified with you. I want to die to myself. Lord, help me to respond. Lord, help. I want to be a wise person. I want to heed your word. I want to grow. I want to become wiser as a result of correction. 
Would you make that prayer tonight? Would you commit that to the Lord? Lord, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you. We confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you so much that you know everything about us and you still love us. Thank you for your imputed righteousness, Jesus, for being perfect when we could not be. Lord, I pray that we would, we would have the right attitude when it comes to correction, just criticism or even unjust. Lord, speak to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to invite you, if God is working in your heart tonight, would you respond? Right there in your place, if you want to pray, I invite you to. You may be seated. Let's get our prayer bulletins out if you would. If you have a prayer list, if you would like to add some prayer requests to that.